Welcome to the Revolutionaries of Wellbeing podcast. I'm founder and host, Sarah McGuinness. The Revolutionaries of Wellbeing, or RO, is a community of wellbeing managers from organizations around the globe. At RO, we develop you as a wellbeing leader, giving you a powerful support network, professional development, and workplace wellbeing solutions so that you can focus on giving your employees the right support at the right time. To be stronger, better, and faster at improving wellbeing in your workplace, professional development is key. These discussions on workplace wellbeing are designed to inspire, share ideas, and raise awareness of important issues we can all take action on. The interviews are recorded as part of our monthly Wellbeing Wednesday webinars. Over the next little while, we'll be exploring diversity and inclusion as part of our podcast series. This episode explores inclusive wellbeing from a sexual and gender identity perspective. When it comes to workplace wellbeing, inclusivity is important. An inclusive, diverse workplace culture fosters a sense of belonging, safety, and purpose for employees, which in turn helps to increase wellbeing and productivity. It also improves social connectedness and belonging and reduces discrimination, prejudice, and harassment and it supports people to bring their whole selves to work. Joining us in this episode is Jose Tayapa from Rainbow Tech. Rainbow Tech is about accepting and valuing people in the workplace and embracing the diversity of sexual and gender identities. We'll be exploring some of the cornerstones of wellbeing from this perspective, alongside myths and barriers and actions that workplaces can take to ensure wellbeing programs are truly inclusive. The first thing I'd like to start with is some definitions and some of the terms and terminology around sexual and gender identities, around rainbow communities. What are some of the things that we really need to to have in our in our language when we're describing these communities? Yeah, well, kirikoto kato. Yeah, definitely. With I mean, my I, I my I use pronouns as you may see on here. I've got I have he him, and I look at that as you know I've had a, had a long career with Air New Zealand and on long haul flights with the crew with their name badge having a flag on there. So when a customer came on that spoke that language, it signaled to them, hey, there's someone here you can communicate with. They're going to understand you. Same thing with pronouns, having those on an email signature, for example, to identify that you were in the rainbow communities or that you supported them as an ally. And it would help people in so many different ways. You know, there was a lady recently I heard who had it, who saw it on a colleague's email signature and was having some issues with, well, not issues, some going through some things with her teenage teenager's gender identity. And so saw those and then approached her and was able to have a conversation. So it signals safety and inclusion. You know, the acronym LGBTQIA+, we, we see that acronym and it seems to get longer by the year, the, the Rainbow Mafia. But it's, you know, each of each of those individually you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, they are rainbow, they're each is a rainbow community. So as a whole, they would be rainbow communities. So if you were trying to rattle off, you know, the acronym, what is it? Just rainbow communities is exactly the same thing to capture everyone there. And then you may see the plus at the end. Well, that's, I mean, would have every letter, every letter of the alphabet on there. So that just captures everyone that would identify with being in the rainbow communities. In New Zealand, we have two T's, so LGBTT, and the second T is Takatapui which I identify with here in Aotearoa, which is the equivalent as the Māori equivalent of gay. And so that's a term that you you may hear or that you will hear because it's been used a lot more here in, in New Zealand. So, yeah, it's definitely, and in those rainbow communities with that acronym, someone may identify with being one, two or more of those identities and it's just whatever they whatever they choose as an identity, then that's their choice. I mean, it's like, you know, Sarah, if you turn up here today, you've said your name, Sarah, but I, I thought, Actually, you know what? She looks like an Amy. 
No, I'm going to call her Amy this whole time. No, no, she looks like Amy to me. I'll call her Amy. No. Sarah said to me, I'm Sarah, and regardless of how I think she looks or how I think I should address her, that is that is her that is her name, and so that's that's what you respect and go with. Yeah, does that answer what you... Yes, yes, it's really helpful yeah. because I think that was one of the things in our early conversation was was even for me that communities versus community, you know, even mm-hmm. the distinction between those two. And just in staying on that topic, you and I were just talking earlier about the new initiative I think the DHB in Wellington has brought in around the cards that people can use when they go and get their COVID vaccination that allow them to say their pronouns. And you said that you'd had a little bit of experience in talking to the person behind that. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to a lady that was on the team that was involved in that and there was a real, there was some some resistant people in the remote communities around going and being vaccinated just with past experiences with, you know, DHB or, or medical environments. And, you know, someone, for example, that's transitioned, so transgender, someone that's transitioned from the sex that they were assigned at birth, you know, they've, they've, if they've transitioned and that, 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 that name, that old name is a, is a dead name to them. They've, they've put that to rest and so they don't, don't want that to be used, but that's unfortunately sometimes still on their legal documentation. And so they'll turn up and, you know, maybe 15 years post uh, transition and still being referred to as someone that is long gone it can be really mentally difficult and really hard for those people. And so having these little cards for people to say, you know, we know that that's on our that's on our identification, but actually this is this is who I am. So please refer to me as that without actually having to have a conversation. Just a card, and everyone that's in those spaces are, are, are across across those. And so lots of awesome little initiatives that are coming up that I see also in workplaces, just helping to help people feel more more comfortable in, in, in a space and lessen those anxieties that those in the rainbow communities do come up against on the daily. Yeah, and that's probably a good one to stay with in terms of you know, why it's really important for us to understand that sexual and gender identities you know, perspective. And when we're talking about well-being in the workplace, I mean, what are some of the stuff that you see in, in terms of how organisations, you know, what they're up against or what those people are experiencing in the workplace mm. impacts so on their well-being? Just, yeah, so actually just, I just remember, so just on that, like, sex and gender. So, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's born... A, a sex, a sex assigned at birth. The doctor assigns said, oh, you've had a baby boy. Oh, you've had a baby girl. Oh, you've had an intersex child. Intersex is a, a child that's born with ambiguous genitalia, so maybe a little baby boy that's born but has genitals that reflect that maybe of a, of a, of a, of a girl. And so surgeries are done on little babies here in New Zealand still. It's still a legal practice which we're trying to abolish because it's, it's, it's not right. And so the, everyone's born a sex and then as that child grows, you, you form a gender identity. So, you know, a little boy may be born but then as he grows up he has more more of a feminine identity or he may have like a 50 50 feminine masculine identity so there'd be a different spectrum on that with that identity and then how that's expressed so you know may have like a, 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 a you know 40 60 and so express that in a certain way by the way they dress or, or what they do and then later on comes forms who you are attracted to um, and, and who you are physically attracted to and who you're emotionally attracted to. So the difference there between sex and gender, sex you're born, gender you form. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how we have these gender reveal parties. I find it weird because how would you know what someone's gender gender is? Like a new baby is born. You don't know that their gender identity is a, a girl, but straight away put into this box, this binary heteronormative, it's got to go into this box or go into this box. And it's the same thing with intersex children. Baby's born, 
doesn't can't be put into a box. We've got to fix the baby. We've got to put the baby into a male or female box. And so we've got to just get out of this heteronormative binary thinking that because there's so many other people on this agenda and sexuality continuum. But in a workplace, in the in the mahi that I'm involved with, you know, it's it's Rainbow Tech was set up a number of years ago because statistics here in New Zealand were really rising around unhealthy workplaces for those in the rainbow communities as far as mental health and well-being was concerned. You know, I mean, just some stats from, I mean, last, what was it, last year? Statistics, you know, six out of, six out of ten? Six out of ten people that in the workplace that identify as being bisexual, their job satisfaction was very, very low. And one in ten secondary children identify with being in the rainbow communities. And 2019, Otago University did a study of sex orientation and mental health. And on average, it was twice twice as likely that those in the rainbow communities would suffer from extreme depression or anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And so Rainbow Tech was set up to come in and, for want of a better explanation, audit uh, New Zealand organisations to have have things in place to support those in the member communities there by way of their recruitment practices, just signaling this is a safe place to come and work, having policies and things in place to accommodate same-sex couples, having parental leave or transitioning in the workplace, all, all sorts of things. And so it's, it really is a, a journey for an organisation to come onto the programme. And there's never really a final destination. It's just always a continual process and, and programme. And, you know, I work with a lot of really big, iconic New Zealand businesses, you know, BNZ, Countdown, in New Zealand. You know, we've got a huge backlog of organisations waiting to come on the programme. People, it's really fantastic in New Zealand seeing that, you know, we really are embracing this rainbow diversity inclusion and, that, and, and really realising how important it, it is, especially those sectors that historically have been very heteronormative, you know, construction companies. I've got three construction, big construction companies, law firms, you know, that for, for many years, you know, you recruit, you new to the law firm and on the, on the first day, here's your dress for work guide. If you're a white female, you wear that. If you're a white male, you wear that. And there's nothing else, you know, it's like, no. And then someone now that's coming in there, it's like, well, I'm, I'm non-binary. So non-binary doesn't identify with being male or female. It's sitting there going, well, I don't want to wear either, either of those, you know, sets of clothing, what, what do I do? Or someone that's looking to come there, they, they'll be like, they won't go there because of that. And, and I've, I've heard this from, from people that are newly into these organisations. They've gone there because they've seen that the organisation has been rainbow tech certified or has some sort of other thing in place that signals that they're rainbow inclusive. And so they choose to go there because of that, because they want to be in a career and in a space where they're just going to be able to turn up their whole authentic self. Because it sounds like almost those organisations are missing out on some incredible capability and incredible thinking if people don't feel like they can apply there because they don't feel like they can be their whole selves there at work. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I had a, one of my clients as an architecture firm where, and the CEO said, look, it's just, it's just been such a heteronormative place for so long. We just want to change it up. We want to attract different people. We want to have a more diverse workforce because we know the benefits that come with that. And so they came onto the program and done, done really well, got certified very quickly just because they were they were already kind of had the wheels were turning. And then the CEO contacted me and said, oh my gosh, we've been getting 
such a different response to to our recruitment ads. Um, wow, just all these different people that have never ever come before. And you know, we we I interviewed a transgender person recently, and was like, we we totally want to hire them. They're fantastic. Well, we've never had that before. So you know, once once this rainbow lens is cast across everything an organisation does, it really does open up some fantastic doorways for for things for that organisation. Yeah, amazing. And that's been some of your experience because I know your experience was you started in New Zealand and just tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I grew up in a very religious, very God, God-fearing parents down in the Waikato, eight kids in my family. And so navigating who I was and figuring that out was very difficult as a young person because I didn't know anyone that was gay. I had no one in my corner. I didn't even know what gay was. And so I was trying to figure it out. And so when I kind of brought it up, I was put through conversion therapy as a young person, which was horrible. You know, those that I knew and loved, loved around me were all of a sudden trying to convince me I was something that I wasn't. And so I just re- removed myself from, as hard as it was, from that environment and went off into the world. And, you know, I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, oh, I'm going to be a news presenter. Neil Walker at the time was reading the six o'clock news. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the next Neil Walker. I went to Waikato University and anyway, was in the lunchroom one day. I, so I went to university, did, did my first year of doing t- television, needed a, a holiday job and went out to the Hamilton Airport, which was a tin can at the time. And I met the camera crew manager in the lunchroom one day. And she said to me, have you ever thought about being crew? And I said, no, no, never, never have. And she's come on to an assessment centre, which I did. And then long story short, so 26 years uh, f- f- flying and I found my sweet spot. I love the smell of aviation fuel. <laughs> I love the long wheel travel, the aircraft, the, the, the people. The people was the thing for me. And I found my sweet spot and it was a pleasure to go to work every day. Unfortunately, I got made redundant in the first lockdown. That's okay. Uh, found, found my new sweet spot. Yeah, I, I went to work, you know, 26 years, or 20 years, 20 years, I was going to work every day, you know, chicken and fish on high for 20 minutes, LA and back. It was great. Loved it. But I still wasn't going. I was still wasn't turning out fully myself. I would filter conversations that I had with people. I wouldn't share too much about my, you know, my partner or or my, my family situation. If I was in certain areas of the organization, like if I was an engineering hanger, I'd be very different than I would be if I was in the cabin crew lounge. Every time I went up to the flight deck, you know, kind of blended in with the boys up there. Just really wasn't being fully myself at all. And I, 20, so the 20 years I did that. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. It can get exhausting for someone to, to do that on, on the daily. Just having, you know, you speed you are by the end of your week or add all that on top of what you're doing in a day. It can be a lot. And I was, so 20 years in, the, the general manager of cabin crew was on board the aircraft one night and, uh, you know, general managers on board, all the crew disappear into the toilets. And I'm standing there. I didn't, I didn't know her, hadn't met her before. She, she, knew, she knew nothing about me. And uh, so I got talking to her and I very quickly felt a real inclusiveness from her that she was a real, she was an ally. She was an ally to the rainbow communities, just in the way the language she used. She didn't assume anything about me. She uh, didn't ask anything unnecessarily. She let me guide the conversation. And I felt really comfortable very quickly because of that. And so I opened up more to her about myself. And I said, look, I'm having a baby shortly. And you know, I've been to HR to try and get parental leave. And because the policy was written in the 1800s, kind of doesn't include me. But you know, things like that changed at New Zealand around policy and different things. And for the first time, I actually, and because that was all happening, I I finally felt like I was I was there that I was someone there that I was seen and I was actually 
heard and, and what I was doing there, they actually cared about it. And so, you know, all of a sudden I started doing more. I'm like, wow, you know, I can actually just be totally myself here. And I started turning up. I, I thought, you know, what can I do? So I promoted to be flight service manager on the long haul flights in, in an 18 month period, which normally would take quite a, a, a several years for someone to do. I joined the recruitment team and I recruited the cabin crew for, for New Zealand and helped out with comms and global, global brand just off the back of a two minute conversation of someone that was an ally that made me feel a million bucks. And so that's, I mean, when I go into these organizations, I mean, there's a lot to learn around stuff and that's all important. But really what I try to help them understand is it's just that, creating those connections with people in your space or in your lives to allow them to just be themselves and and turn up and not have to worry. You know, it's not about, you know, people in the rainbow communities don't want to be in your workplace and have a, have a, take a tape parade every time they walk through the office or a glitter bomb set, set off over them every time they walk past your desk. No, they just want to be able to turn up like you and just be able to be involved in a conversation and that you'll understand them, they'll understand you and just and get on with it and not have those anxieties or having to like hide who they are for fear of discrimination in a workplace. Such a remarkable story. I think, you know, it, it, how a simple conversation with a leader can make such a difference. And, mm. and what I really heard from that, it was that, that sense that you could come along and that you felt cared for, that it was a safe space and that there was that sense of openness there. And so, you know, what is it sort of almost expanding on that in terms of leadership traits that you think are really critical in allowing people to, to feel like you did? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And when I, so if I get a new, you know, a new or new organization into my portfolio, I, I ask, I ask straight away to meet with their senior leadership team and I, I can get a really good gauge where that organization is as far as their rainbow diversity and inclusion. And when it's a good gauge, I know that it's going to be a very comfortable process. And then when I when I meet the people in that organization, it makes sense that people there are a certain way because of that leadership. Whereas when it's on the other side and you know it's kind of a it's kind of a hard grind to kind of get those leadership teams on board, it's it's it does filter through into into the organization. And yeah, you know, it does, it starts at the top and it's got to trickle down. It's got to be it's got to be authentic because we can all see through that when it's just you know, when we get someone on to the programs, you know, that, that applies to come on to the program and says, oh, well, our competitors have got the rainbow tip. We want to get it because they've got it. Well, no, that's not a good enough reason, you know. But whereas when someone comes on and says, you know, we're, we 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 really want to diversify our workplace or, you know, we've got someone here that wants to that's, wants to transition and we don't know what to do. Can you help us? And it's that's what we do going in and helping them. But these, you know, it's, 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 seen, it's amazing how, you know, those that are in a position you know, in a senior leadership team or a manager, a people leader, how that influence over that influence with someone in the rainbow communities and, and signaling to them that you support them is just can be life changing as it was for me. I know when New Zealand first went into the Pride Trade, which they were so resistant to do for so many years, just for a whole lot of different reasons. Finally, they went into the parade and I was walking alongside one of the execs and he, before we started the parade, he's like, oh, I'm so nervous. Like, I've never been to anything like this. And I said, oh, it's all good. Look, just stand by me. We'll walk down Ponsby Road. And halfway down, he, he, you know, he turned to me and he said, this is amazing, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I can see why this is important 
to, to you. And I'm so, so happy that, that we are doing this. I'm so happy that we're finally coming to this parade, that we're, that we're going through this rainbow tick. And he goes, this is awesome. I'm really, I'm really, thank you for letting me come today. And hearing that from him, I was just like, wow, it was like another million dollar moment for me as an employee, that an authentic connection of support that just, again, made me want to just show up more and be myself. And, and then the ripple effect from that, from me to others in the organization, it just, it really is an amazing thing when the leaders are, are leading in that way. Yeah. And I, you can really hear strongly in your voice just you know how important that was and what a difference that does make. We, we talked earlier in our conversation around that discomfort that sometimes people can feel in having these conversations. So you know, what are some of the, the barriers or the myths or what are some of those preconceived ideas that you've come up against when exploring yeah, the topic with leaders? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing I was talking to you, you know, before we, we came on is that, you know, often we get to the pointy end of the conversation and it's like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't take that one step further. And it kind of just stops there. But it's about just to go moving forward. We're, we're going to make mistakes. We, I still make mistakes all the time in conversations, but it's about just, just doing that anyway, you know, feeling the fear and just, just having, just be mindful though, when you're, when you are in conversations with people that, you know, if you're asking something, do I need to ask that? Like, you know, you know, it's like, if you don't, then maybe don't, or if you can find out another way, find that out some other way and you know really you know, like I, I remember I shared an experience with you when I was when my baby was coming along and I was on, on the aircraft and went up to the flight deck and the captain first officer up there and the first officer said to me oh Jose you're having a baby well, awesome does your wife fly and I was like no don't have a wife oh what does your girlfriend do mm, I'm gay and he's like oh how are you having a baby then? And I was like, okay, here we are again. Here, here we go again. And, and often that's me. You know, the person that's going through the thing is the educator and it's exhausting. And so I sat there thinking, oh my gosh, I've only come up here to take your hot drink orders and here I am having this conversation. Anyway, I, I turned to the captain who was a beautiful ally, a really senior captain, wonderful man who I had, had conversations with previously and he was across what was going on. He looked at me, he said to say, I got this. I got this one, mate. So I kind of sat there, and he said to the first officer, "So you, you know, you've got children." He goes, "Yeah, I've got three kids." He goes, "So when your children were coming along, did anyone ask you, oh, how did your wife conceive? How did, how did she get pregnant?" He's like, "No. Why would anyone ask me that? No, absolutely not." And the captain's like, "Well, you know, I, I understand you're curious here, and I, I understand your curiosity. That's that's normal. But I also want to understand how you feel that you've arrived at this of this." this place to be able to just ask that of Jose if you don't actually think that you'd be okay for someone to ask you that. And the first officer said there and he goes, no, yeah, you're right. As I was saying it, I thought to myself, why am I asking that for? That's a silly question. But I'll, I'll ask it anyway because it's going to throw a blanket over the situation to kind of make it a little bit better for me. But he said, look, I'll be honest. I, I'm just a bit uncomfortable. I, I don't know anyone that's been through this. But I don't know what to say. And so I just I just said that. So if he had arrived at that earlier in the in the conversation and just said to me, hey, wow, I don't know what to say. I don't know anyone that's been to this. Would you mind if I had a conversation with you around this? I'd be like, yeah, let me go get a coffee. Let's chat away. But we're just launching in like that. It's, that's not that's not the way to do it. So it's about just, you know, just, you know, hearing yourself in the conversation and being having that empathy and respect for someone and allowing them to guide the conversation. Yeah, be curious. Ask, ask and support someone. But there's, it's all the intentions behind it as well. It's like, you know, just why, why, why are you having that conversation? Why are you asking that? And if your answer is not a good reason, then maybe just back away and not, not go through with it. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a good example. And and I, I loved what you talked about with them being educators because what I'm hearing then too is there's actually a lot of bricks that they are carrying the Rainbow communities on a day-to-day between educating people and 
negotiating or deciding whether they're going to have those conversations. And I I know you and I talked about even bathrooms, for example, and making this, it's like this constant decision, decision, decision that perhaps, you know, others don't have to come up against some of those barriers. So again, what are some of those those things you see every day? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, you know, I go into some places and, you know, some people that aren't in the rainbow communities will go, well, why do they need special treatment? You know, we treat everyone here the same. Everyone's welcome here. And it's like, well, actually, no, they're not because, you know, you don't have all gender facilities here. So someone that wants to transition here that may not want to use a male or female toilet, are they are they included there? You know, someone that's visiting a site is transgender or, or, or non-binary and they want to go to the restroom and there's not an all, uh, well, are they welcome there? You know, and it's like policies in place, you know? Well, no, this here is like, you know, the mother or the, the mother's partner has is entitled to parental leave, which for me, me was the problem because the mother and the partner, well, I am also a parent, but I'm not the partner of the mother. And so I wasn't included in that policy. So, you know, is everyone welcome here? Is everyone included? And just all these little things that are in an organisation around, you know, policies and documents and facilities, all that. It's like getting those, having a rainbow lens again across all that. And, you know, I mean, with the with the facilities, we don't expect organisations to bang down walls and, you know, put them up, but just be mindful going forward with a new space hey it's important to have this in place for people i mean i remember when i was when baby was small and going into uh, one of the, the crew lounges actually a brand new crew lounge and the change table was on the female toilet and i was like where do i change the baby so the change is nappy in the, in the play area with all the other kids and often that's what happened when i went out for dinner or to a cafe change table was on the female toilet because mum's changed the nappy it's like well no dad's changed nappies too as I know Rob knows and uh, yeah so it's just getting out of that binary heteronormative way of thinking to just you know really capture everyone and embrace everyone yeah well and that leads nicely to the next question which is so let's go to workplace wellbeing programs themselves that organizations are running what are some of the things that organizations can do to take that rainbows community lens and really think are we being inclusive and what more can we do? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of places do things differently, obviously. The ed- education, education is is key, you know, knowledge is power. And sometimes people just don't know. You know, when I run sessions with a room full of 15, you know, middle-aged engineers, they haven't spoken about someone that's transgender or someone that's pansexual or, you know, gender fluid. And so it's really interesting. Oftentimes, they're the ones that have most questions. They're like, we never talked about this before. So it's just, you know, breaking down those those barriers, uh, those myths, helping people be less less uncomfortable uh, in situations yeah just really having a having an, an internal network for those that identify with being in the rainbow communities and then really leaning into them to help with things that are happening in an organization because they will know they're, 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 you know, they're on the front line they're, they're on the ground because you know a lot of times you've got someone in HR that's putting together something or whatever but it's like they really they don't have any lived experience talk to those that are in those in the rainbow communities that are organizations uh, you know, for for um, advice on on what to do, and then really having having that having that supported that network supported by a senior sponsor within an organisation definitely definitely helps. Mm. Yeah, and I imagine visibility as well. We, we sort of talked about this earlier, but that visibility of support of saying that we welcome you here. Yeah, absolutely. Visibility is yeah really important, and it has to be again done authentically and uh, really just you know on days 
you know, a lot of organizations have they celebrate different days throughout the year for different things and some do that well and some others don't so, you know sometimes it's just oh email there's some cupcakes in the lunchroom whereas others will be like hey we actually got a, a 30 minute lunch and learn to talk around gender transgender inclusion days today please feel free to come along and you know really really fishing out those days to to help people under using them to help people really understand what, what's going on. And, you know, with, for example, with pronouns being rolled out, some organizations, an email goes out, you know, it's company-wide, yeah, here's pronouns, contact this guy in HR, he'll help you set it up to the, what, what are they? What are, what are the pronouns? What, what, what are we, what's it for? There's no why we're doing it. It's like, and that's the thing is, it's always taking your people with you on the journey, sharing with them at every point what's happening so that, you know, with, especially with this rainbow tick certification, you know, they, they, they get a, an email going, we're on the rainbow tick program. And then Tom months later, we got certified. And everyone's like, Huh? Huh? What? How did, what happened? How did that happen? No, t- t- talk, t- take your people through it. Tell them what's happening all the way through it and all the new things that you're you know, implementing by way of policy or, or different things and celebrate that at each point. Because mm, I can see there'd be a danger of tokenism almost, isn't there, of going, oh, well, we ticked that box, we're done now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's been very, and most, and places and organizations are very mindful of that and not, not to do that. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that often, you know, hardly at all, really. Um, but yeah, there is, there is fear from organizations that they will be seen as, as that will be seen in that light. And I just assure them no, because, you know, often those that are in the rainbow communities that are in their organization, they look to these, these visible, signs or, or allies they look to that to, to, to feel supported and 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 better and feel safe in a workplace so yeah do that do that it's not it's not tokenistic but do it do it in a way that's not you know find your way find your way to do that and there's it doesn't have to be a floor to ceiling rainbow flag behind the the desk at Denton's Kensington Swan it could be just a tiny little placard in your all genders facilities in your reception area that talk to, hey, you're currently in an all-gender facility and this is why you are. Just a couple of lines. That there will just send massive positive signals to to those that that are in the rainbow communities that work there, all those that that join. It doesn't have to be a big flag or a unicorn. There's lots of little ways to signal this inclusion. Mm. And I love that that the sign on the bathroom like that's just so powerful I'd love to hear some of the other case studies or things that you've seen that you think that is such a cool idea you know someone's really really taken it and and, and mastered ways of communication yeah I mean there's yeah and that's the other thing too that I encourage the organizations that I work with to find to find their thing they would have something unique to them that they could do in this rainbow diversity inclusion here in Aotearoa. And, you know, for example, the architecture firm, for them, with, with builds, interior, interior design, their thing now is that straight off the bat, all, all gender facilities. And, you know, the client will be like, why? This is why. This is why you've got to have them. And actually, it's going to be cheaper if you do it. But, you know, that's, that's their thing, to really create interior spaces that are inclusive and everything they're doing with the design and the build, it's with a rainbow lens, which they've never done before. So that's their thing. And they can actually educate every new client that comes, you know, into their business. You know, another organization, public speaking people there. And so their thing is they're going into schools and that have rainbow youth 
groups and just t- talking and supporting them around, you know, hang in there. It's tough right now as a young kid, but it's going to get better. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a gay CEO and you can do it too. And so using that, using that platform to support. So just finding, finding something that, that they can do to really make a big impact that's unique to the organization is, is, yeah, it's what I encourage. And it's, yeah, lots of places are doing really, really well. I can imagine having a role model like that, a CEO, must just be for young people, must just be gold, be gold. Yeah, yeah, totally. And she's had, you know, she's amazing. And I really, you know, for this this particular CEO, I really want to, I'm trying to encourage her to, to share her, her story with other senior leadership teams. So I work with a lot of, you know, these these senior leadership teams and they're like, oh, you know, we're very, we're very male pale and stale it's kind of been like that for a hundred years how do we how do we change that and i said well you know i like you change that i mean hire someone in there that isn't male pale and stale i mean you know maybe just give them a chance and if they better let them do it it's like you know if you're just going to continually you know bring the same people into the same positions or you know into an organization it's gonna stay the same you have to change that you have to diversify how you're you're recruiting or doing things internally yeah, and and you can see, gosh, what a difference that would make. I mean, I, I come back to the architecture firm. It's just such a great example of how, A, that's changed the workforce, and then B, that's actually changed the work that they do, which will then have a ripple effect on to the communities that are that come in through the, the doors of those buildings. That's so cool. Yeah, definitely. And that's what it's all about with the, with the Rainbow Tickets. We're just trying to create not not just not just in their in their space, but just when it goes out to their you know their stakeholders or their, their clients or their customers, and it's just you know to 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 build this rainbow diversity inclusion throughout Aotearoa. And we're so we are really lucky here. I mean, New Zealand is really a fantastic place to be as someone that's in the rainbow communities, having travelled for many years to most places in the world. We, I. I it's it's a it's a it is a real blessing to be here. I feel safe here. You know, a lot of places I visited felt very unsafe and had to hide a hundred percent of who I was for fear of you know being arrested or, or killed. Whereas here, you know, we're, we're doing a fantastic job. And I mean, there's still work to be done. There there always is. But I think we are in a really 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 great place. And I mean. It probably helps when you've got a prime minister that preaches kindness. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I think we're doing really, really well in the in the space in New Zealand. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so I'm sure everyone in, in um, listening into this would want to be an ally. Either is already an ally or would like to be an ally and a supporter in the workplace. So what are some of the things that as HR, as wellbeing people, we can do to keep facilitating this conversation and keep that rainbow lens on our wellbeing programs? Mm, definitely. So, I mean, I guess if you're if you're in an organisation, um, just you know, finding out if there is an internal pride network or whatever it's, it's called there, and, and reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, look, how how can I support you in my role? Is there anything that I can do?" And because I know when I was in that position, when people came, I was like, "Yes, this is great," because you kind of feel like you're just kind of doing it doing it all on your own. And and when there are things that happen, you know, showing up, showing up. I mean, I it made my day when I when I had events at New Zealand. For the, for the Pride Network and people walk through the door and I was like, wow, you're here. Cool. Oh, that's my manager. Wow, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. There's the, you know, just, just showing up, just being there. You don't have to say anything, but just just that visibility is is awesome for those in the rainbow communities. And just, you know, education. Education is again is it's just, you know, upskilling around rainbow education. If your workplace offers that, just you know, taking advantage of that. There's lots of resources online, you know, on days where there is 
different days throughout the year, just really fleshing out, fleshing out that education around what those days are and just, you know, being aware that, you know, even though, if, for example, if you are heterosexual, that, you know, you, you don't take for granted that, that everyone else enjoys that workplace the same way you do because, you know, often that may not be the case. Mm, I think that's such a critical insight, really, that isn't it, that your experience may be different to other people's and there's this, these other lenses that people come to work you know, when they're there and so it's kind of breaking them down, isn't it, and making it a really accessible, safe place for everyone to be their whole selves at work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, I got another client where there's a lady that's worked at the organisation for over 30 years and she is a lesbian and has been married for many years for, to her beautiful wife and has still not told anyone at work, but she just doesn't feel safe enough to do that and so you know goes to work during the week filters 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 exhausted by the end of the week gets up the courage to go back to work on monday morning and it's like that shouldn't be happening for someone you know it's like that's that's horrible especially a career that long but you know i it's at the end of the day like i said there's a lot that we that we hear and and that we that we you know, we could dive into, but it just, it just always comes back to that, that little bit of extra empathy, respect for people. And, you know, I shared that with you about the Oprah story, and I love that. You know, she said she's, she's interviewed all these fantastic people, you know, Barack Obama, Beyonce Knowles, and every time the camera's turned off and, and the microphone's turned off, everyone leans into her and says, did I do okay? Was it okay? And she'd be like, what do you mean, Brock? You just changed the world, mate. You know, but everyone does, it says that. Do I do okay? Was I okay? And she, you know, she learned very early on in her career that that is it. Bottom line for everyone. Do you, do you, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does anything I do mean anything to you? And that is, that is it. And for me, with that experience with the GM of Cabin Crew, I felt, after 20 years, I felt, I felt seen, I felt heard, and I actually felt understood. For the first time, and it's unfortunate that happened for me at 20 years. We want that to happen for someone in 20, the first 20 days of their career. We want them to be in that space straight away so that they're turning up. Um, if I had had that experience, you know, 20 years earlier, you know, I may have, I may have, oh, heck knows what would have happened. I mean, um, but, you know, just, just creating that, creating that uh, uh, inclusive, safe space for someone and sickening that even before they join, that that's going to happen when you come here. Thanks again for listening today. It's been great to have you along. If you're keen to join the revolutionaries of wellbeing, head to rowwellbeing, that's R-O-W-Wellbeing.com and follow the links to sign up. If you're in our community, thanks again. And we look forward to catching up with you really soon.